everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Tennis One podcast. We're really excited. In case you are not aware, the show docu-series on Netflix called Breakpoint Surrounding Tennis Professionals dropped on Friday, the first five episodes of this series. We're really excited to break that down. We're going to talk ATP side of that today and of course also get into the Australian Open as we are into the first rounds of that tournament, the first slam of the year. We're ready to go. I'm your co-host Madison Golden and I will pass it over to you, Patrick. All right. Hey, Madison. Excited to uh, do another episode here. It's the highlight of the week for sure. So definitely. Yeah. And sorry if I sound a little tired because I'm staying up I'm on Aussie time, as as I said in previous <laughs> podcasts. So, yeah, just just w- woke up a couple hours ago, but uh, another another really fun night of Australian Open tennis. I mean, obviously the Murray Berrettini match was was the match of the of the night and the match of the tournament so far. For anyone that didn't see that, uh, we have highlights of it in our app. But it's yeah, that was very cool to see. I mean, I, I like both guys, so I was kind of I, I don't know. It was like especially after watching Breakpoint, right? So. Oh. You hate to see another one of the Netflix players go down, uh, whether, you know, it's been pulling out early because of injuries or some of them have lost, I think more so on the, on the men's side than the the women's, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch. And, uh, you know, we did a draft last week with, uh, with Nate Walroth at tennis point where we, we picked five players each to kind of see who could have the best team throughout the tournament. And uh, I just, let's, let's take a look at it real quick, just to uh, let everybody know, give everybody an update where we're at. Madison, you're leading the women. You're (laughs) leading the women. How do you feel about that? I feel, I feel pretty good. I'm happy with that. Uh, I feel confident in, in my, you know what? I'm I'm sorry. You're leading the men, the men. And we're we're all tied, tied in women, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. How do you feel about leading the men? That's even better, actually. So, (laughs) Well, I'm happy that none of the players I picked pulled out due to injury or lost in the first round. So happy with that. Um, Looking pretty good. Obviously, you and I were just talking before the podcast and Nadal looked looked a little in spots, a little shaky in that one set that he dropped. But other than that, he looked pretty good. Felix taking it in four sets. And then Eubanks. We're we're excited about that. Chris Eubanks, the American wild card into round two. I'm I'm pumped about that because he was definitely a pick that I felt confident in. And then of course Rude and Nori, obviously pretty dominant performances from them. So I'm I'm feeling good right now. I'm excited. Yeah, Eubanks. I think that's his first main draw win at the Australian Open ever, and and he beat Sun Wu uh, Kwan, who just won Adelaide, uh, the second Adelaide event. So. That's a great win for him. And to do it in five, I mean, that's uh, super exciting. I think you had, I guess, Poprin. Poprin is my wild card pick from the draft. And he he also won in five last yeah, night. Yeah, that's morning, pretty exciting. Fellow so that Aussie. was good. Yep. Nate's wild card team, tough draw with Rublev first round. That kind of sucks. But uh, so he so he's out. But let's see. In, the, um, in our draft, the players that are out that the three of us picked, Dominic team, on Nate's team, lost to Rublev. Kyrgios was my first pick, and we all know what's happened with him. Major bummer. But other than that, uh, we got all our our guesses right for the first round, at least. And then on the women's side, it looks like you had Bedosa, who also pulled yeah. out due bummer. to injury. Netflix curse. I had Coco Vandaway, who just lost uh, as my wildcard pick, and then uh, Nate had Fruvertova, the younger Fruvertova. 
and she lost. But other than that, it's looking pretty good so far. Again, you got we'll put the link to this this draft board in the uh, in the podcast article so you guys can can look at it. But uh, let's let's talk what we're here to talk about, and that's breakpoint. And we're going to talk about the men today. I just want to know what you thought of the show. You you watched it. How how long did it take you to watch it? Multiple days? Did you do it in one sitting? And what did you think? Yeah. As much as I talked about not binging it, I watched it in a weekend. I could have watched it all in one day. I was that into it, but I made myself wait for the last two episodes. So I watched the first three in one sitting and then I watched the last two. Um, I know I talked to you about this, but I wish like I want 20 episodes. I don't mm-hmm. think 10 is enough. I know they have the footage, like just give it to us. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Where when are we getting the director's cut? That's what we want to know. Like between now, there's a lot of time between now and the second episode release in June. Like let's 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 see because it's clear that they they filmed with all these players at like every every tournament that they went to. Um, but whoever did the best probably in those tournaments, that's kind of how they edited the episodes, right? To show okay, well Berrettini made the semis of Australian Open, so we get a lot a full Berrettini episode, right? That would be my right. guess, but yeah. What, what did what did you uh, what like? Okay, so you loved it. What did you love about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a big sports docu series fan, so anytime you're able to see these athletes behind, kind of behind the scenes, and you know, really see what they go through, not on court, and what what the typical fan doesn't get a chance to see, I think it's really eye opening. I have to say like they're the first episode, the introduction to the show Breakpoint was so good. I had goosebumps, tears in my eyes. It was so exciting the way that they filmed it, edited it, the sound bites they chose from these players, the commentators, coaches. It it was incredible. Um, So if you haven't watched it, highly, highly suggest it. And I feel like it does a really good job of hooking you, you know, right away. Even if you went into it not as a tennis fan and not knowing who any of these players are, I feel like it grasps your attention right away. So I, yeah. overall, just a really well done series. Um, we got five episodes. Like I said, there could have been. I wish there would have been more, but yeah. It, overall, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Uh, Patrick, what did you, what did you, what were your kind of first impressions, and what did you think? Well, it's it's good to hear that you really liked it because uh, you know you're you've, you're in tennis now, but you're not a tennis lifer, right? You haven't been following the sport since you were born, essentially. Which, uh, yeah, I've been playing since I was three, so it's it's a definitely a different perspective. Um, and kind of going into it, you know, I had read some of the reviews from journalists that you know got screeners of the of the show. They got to watch it early, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the reviews were similar, and that like. I think most of them liked it, but everybody kind of said uh, lacks character depth, stuff like that, you know, all lacked surprises. Um, but I don't, I don't think it matters that it it lacks surprises. Like you're a journalist that covers tennis every day <laughs> of the year. Of course, you know, everything that happens like this yeah. is for people that didn't watch tennis at all last year, you know, like d- that genuinely don't know the results of the match. And, and that's who it's, that's who it's, made for right like obviously that if you know the result of the match it kind of reduces some of the drama there but like that's that's not really who it's for is is for me it's for it's for people that didn't watch last year and hopefully it'll make them you know interested to watch this year so and and even as someone that follows the sport all year round there were 
plenty of things that I didn't know happened and uh, that we'll talk about later as we, we're going to break this, this episode. Uh, we're going to break, break point down uh, in, <laughs> into some categories to kind of, you know, pick our favorite moments and that type of thing. So I'll, I'll get into some of that later, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I saw, I watched it all in one sitting the first time and, uh, and I've watched it a second time since. So, and I, I even was over at my friends and we pulled up an episode and watched, watched that there. And I had some friends that were tennis people texting me about like literally had a tennis friend text me, a, a guy that, you know, hasn't followed the sport his whole life. Like that's so crazy about Rafa's uncle. Like <laughs> just to hear not, you know, people that, that don't follow tennis that closely, all of a sudden they're talking about uncle Tony, like that's, <laughs> that's what you want, you know? So that, that was exciting to hear. And uh, yeah. And um, like, you know, you, you like the show, what what stood out the most to you in terms of? I mean, you got kind of got a behind the scenes look at, at the players. Mm-hmm. What what did you think in terms of maybe the criticism that it lacked character depth? Well, I mean, obviously, I understand that because it really, of course, the top you know some of the higher players are going to win these big tournaments. Like, of course, it's going to follow the players that are the biggest in the sport. And, you know, although most people, some people might not know like Ans Jabour or not everybody knows those types of players, but I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, she's number two in the world. She was highly ranked when they filmed this. It's just, yeah, it's just something that like, they're going to follow these top players. I don't, I don't really like, I get that criticism, but like you said, if if, coming from the people who cover the sport, in depth. I mean, I don't really know, like you said, what do they expect? Well, did, did F1, like, I I think what they mean is that, okay, you you have some of the players like talk about their backstory, like let's say curious, for example, where a lot of the episode is like, you know, what I've been through, you know, da, da, da. Well, it doesn't get that much into what he's been through besides just like the negative media that, that he's, you know, uh, gotten over the years, um, the sure. negative press. Um, but, but he did actually even tweet like the second half of the episodes are going to be more in depth. Um, so probably getting into Wimbledon, um, for him especially, but I don't know. I like how, how much can you really cram into an episode, you know, like you, right. I, I thought, I thought it was, it was, um, I thought, I thought that they did enough. Like, yeah. I, I thought you got good insight on, how they are as people and kind of, I I think they did a good job of showcasing their personality. Like they tried to show, you know, them doing something besides tennis. Like they, they, I feel like they did a good job of have like putting a little niche storyline kind of shoved in there. I mean, I I understand it was tennis focused, but like, I'm Mm -hmm. just thinking of episode two with Matteo Berrettini and Isla Tomjanovic when they were, you know, talking about watching a movie and they, they got into like a little argument about watching the holiday with Cameron Diaz. So I just think (laughs) I like the little, little things like that. That was, that was one of my favorite parts from the whole series. Cause I just thought that it gave you, gives you something else and you kind of can relate to them more Mm -hmm. because you get to see, something besides tennis and obviously they're elite athletes and many of us do not relate to that, but we, when we see other things that they go through or just something as simple as watching a movie instead of a tennis match at the Australian open, you can kind of relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that they, they got a a little bit of everything in each episode, you know, for each player. And so I, I was, I was really happy with how it turned out. And again, ultimately, as long as I have friends that aren't tennis people texting me about the show and that like, that's, that's what you want. So um, I think also Netflix, 
they did a pretty good job. Like I, I think that's how they filmed it is they, they talked to everybody. Like for example, in the first episode, um, they have some, some parts where they talk to Tiafo, but they don't right. go super in depth to him. I think, I think we know when they will do that, which would be the U S <laughs> open episode. Um, right. So yeah, it, it was good how they did it because you cannot rely on results. You know, you, you, <laughs> I know too well from like working at Wilson that you you get all this stuff ready thinking like, oh, this player has a chance to win this slam and then they it's all ready to go and then they lose. And it's like, oh, so it's, uh you know, obviously Nadal won the first two slams of the year and he wasn't in it. And uh, and Sviantec, uh won the French and uh, Ash Barty won the won the Aussie. But um, yeah, so I, I think they I think they did a good job, but. Let's uh let's get into the categories here. I think this is going to be the, the most fun part of the podcast for both of us and, and probably the listeners here. We uh we came up with some some categories that we want to sort of make our case for what we think is the top thing that happened in the show in these in these categories. So the first one is goat quote. Madison, what was your favorite quote from any of the again, we're doing the men, any of the men in the first five episodes of Breakpoint? Yeah, let um, or it doesn't even have to be from one of the players, by the way. It could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a coaches. couple that I <laughs> yeah. that I wrote um, that I wrote down. Let me. So I guess the one from my a player that's currently on tour was from Taylor Fritz. I thought this one was a really good quote that just kind of sums up tennis for those who may not be aware. It's tough to be happy in tennis because every single week everybody loses except for one person, yeah. and. Yeah. Like, how can you be happy in a sport where there's a loser? So many losers every, and every match is single elimination, one yeah. and done. Yeah, that's it. So it's very tough. <laughs> it's it's kind of eye opening. I mean, and like you said, it's a it's a really tough mental sport being completely individual. And I thought that was a good quote um, from yeah. Taylor Fritz. It's, it's interesting because, like you said, it, these players are losing more than I think it was actually Sakari that in one of the episodes in maybe episode three, she said that, you know, I lose more than I win, which I thought about. And I was like, well, she has a winning record probably. Right. But to hear her say it like that, it, it makes you think, wow, even though she does have a winning record and wins a lot more than a lot of players do, she still views it as she loses more often than not, because she's thinking of it in terms of, did I win the tournament and not just, did I win this match? So that that was kind of interesting, you know, and, and the season's so long, it's from January to November and competing every single week. Like that's just such a grind. So yeah, that's a good one. It's really tough. Uh, what did you put for your, your top quote from the men's side? Um, I had a couple that really stood out to me and one that, that I thought of watching this year's Australian open. The first one was actually from Paul Anacone who helps coach Taylor Fritz. And he said, you always question the all-time greats at your own peril, which is, I think very great quote. Yeah. And I, you know, he didn't really make it up. Right. It's, it's, it's just something that, that a lot of people say, but but it's dead on in this case, talking about Nadal specifically. And Again, we come into this Australian Open right now where people are, you know, talking about how he's injured or how he's not getting as much velocity on his serve and da da da. But like again, it's Nadal, it's three out of five. And you saw in this show, nobody wants to play him, really. I mean, somebody at one point said, like, you don't want Nadal. I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was a that was a 
quote that really stuck in my mind. And um, the other one <laughs> that that's came out was Uncle Tony. One of my favorite quotes of the show, maybe my favorite. So, to tell you the truth, I want my nephew to win. <laughs> and that was just so good. I mean, it's he like did not I, hold back on that. That's yeah. For sure. Well, what what did you think of of that whole situation and him? You know, he's coaching Felix, but oh, now he's playing Rafa. Sorry, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I was obviously aware of this situation, but I actually put that down as one of the most surprising moments for me was just kind of seeing that full mm. storyline play out and just hearing Felix talk with his team saying like, we were fully aware of this coming into it. Yeah, I just thought that was like, I didn't, re- I didn't realize the velocity of that. I didn't realize that they knew. And then just kind of seeing that unraveled. Yeah. And he's just making these statements to reporters basically like, yeah, I'll, I'll cheer for Rafa no matter what he's family. Like, even though yeah. I'm, I'm getting a paycheck from this player. I, yeah. It was, that was a, that was quite the situation for the French open this year. It was, it was interesting to see, but I mean, yeah. I guess family's family, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't really fault him. I just, I, I was shocked <laughs> at like how easily he volunteered that yeah. sentence, you know, it's <laughs> like, Oh, he's just like, here's some reporters and they just ask him this question. He just gives it to him. You know, he's just like, Oh, I want Rafa to win. And yeah, uh, they didn't fish for that. That's for sure. He laid yeah. it out on a silver platter for them. <laughs> yeah. But... So we, we could talk a little bit more about it, maybe in some of the other categories, but did you have any other quotes that, that you really liked? Yeah. So this is kind of fitting for the Australian Open because some matches got suspended yesterday due to the heat. So I liked Mm -hmm. this one from Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick, playing tennis in Australia in January feels like you're playing in a hairdryer for five or six hours. (laughs) Yeah. He's so good, isn't he? He's so he he was honestly like he had really good quotes and he Mm. him on Twitter. He's like one of my favorite people to follow. He just brings I like that. And I like that he pushes back. Like people were kind of speaking against him and some of the things that he said during this show. And he just goes at, like goes at him on Twitter. He just doesn't care. No, he's, he's happy to, to get into a little (laughs) battle with somebody on Twitter. And that's why he's a great follow. You know, he just says it like it is. And uh, yeah, he was, he was one of the most enjoyable parts, I think of this show. For sure. A little unfair because I like growing up, he was my absolute idol. Just being like a young American kid. Like he was, he was the guy everybody wanted to be. Everybody wore his clothes. Like I had all his Reebok stuff. And then when he switched to Lacoste and then I had his Lacoste hat and like, yeah. So anytime. Have you ever met, met him in person? Yeah. Uh, once or twice. Um, but he's, I mean, not like in, super casual settings more of like photo opportunities part of gala type things so nothing where like i'm really having deep conversations with the guy but he's always been friendly in those in those situations and yeah um yeah i hope he uh i hope we see more of him because he's like god if he if he could be like a full-time commentator he would be like the tony romo of of tennis you know like everybody wants to do it people do they love him so bring it yeah bring him on okay our next category call it never forget so the most either memorable or surprising thing that you saw in breakpoint part one let me look through my notes here i'm trying to just because i wrote down you know quite a few oh yeah different scenarios but yeah we and we can list the different scenarios and we can even vote on it at the end of this this category yeah well i have to say I mean, 
probably my top two from the men's side. I think Taylor Fritz winning Indian Wells, that was obviously in my top five tennis moments of 2022. So that mm-hmm. in, a, in an entire episode was really, really cool to see. And he's obviously from California being a homegrown talent. And I think it was um, Courtney who covers the WTA. I heard yep. her say in that episode, like this tournament proves really hard for homegrown talent because it's always slam winners and top you know, top five players who seem to win Indian Wells because they call it mm. they call it the fifth grand slam. And yeah. I just think it was really cool that he kind of pushed through, you know, kind of rewrote the narrative a little bit and gave a California kid like a chance. And he talked about how his dad said when he was younger and coached him that you're going to win this tournament one day. And I mean, hearing him talk about that, like it, it's it's just to come full circle like that. It was really cool to see. So that, that was probably my top moment. And then I also really loved how they told the story of Tanasi Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios winning the Australian open doubles in 2022. I loved that storyline and, you know, them being friends since they were youth tennis players and just watching their relationship. I think it was so organic and so natural and they're really fun. And they brought a lot of a lot of fun and depth to tennis. And I think Australian fans, obviously they love curios. And I think that was a really cool thing for them to accomplish. Yeah. That, uh, that photo they showed of Nick and Tanasi when they were kids was so good, especially Tanasi's haircut was, it was he had such ugh. long hair. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's come a long way with his haircut, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just hearing was... them talk in the car when they were talking about how they used to get three to four hours of sleep per night because they would mm. go out and yeah. then get on like, Oh my gosh, just, just kind of how they've both, you know, grown into the players that they are and matured is, is cool. But yeah, that was very mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, definitely matured because I, Tanasi was like, you know how we were able to get through it is because we were so excited to go out the next night that it actually didn't matter. We had like, we were running on, you know, very little sleep because we were just pumped to go out. So like, Pure and then he even, was like I, he even was like, I miss that a little bit, but you can tell as they get older, as we all do, it's, it's harder and harder to stay out that late. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, Nick's, Nick's not single. So uh, he's not, he's not going out late and guess what? He's no. having great results and taking it way more seriously. Yeah. So seriously, um, I had, I had Taylor Fritz, as the uh, most surprising thing as well. Like I actually didn't, all I remembered about that Indian Wells final was that like everybody was talking about how Nadal was hurt, you know, Nadal was kind of had the foot, right. the foot injury. And uh, I, you know, maybe I wasn't paying that close attention or what, but I, I don't remember any talk about Fritz until afterwards, you know, I, I didn't remember like going into the match that always oh, hurt. And I guess that's because, at least how it looks in the show. He, he had that sharp pain literally the day of, which was yeah, crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. And to see him like, you know, not like his coaches are all telling him you, you shouldn't play the doctor saying you shouldn't play. You're going to make it worse. going to be out longer. Da da da. And he's just like, no, I got like, I'm, you know, never going to forgive myself if I don't play this. Like, and then to win. Oh my God. That was so sick. It was <laughs> so cool. Yeah, he really did push. I mean, he pushed back against his coaches and and the doctors telling him you sh- you shouldn't risk it. And he was like, "Well, mm-hmm. if I, yeah, he he would have regretted it if he didn't." Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, to to not like play Rafa in the finals of Indian <laughs> Wells, like you have to give it a go. You know, like I think maybe you know Paul Anacone, his his one of his coaches is telling him to pull out. Well, Paul's Paul's coach 
the best players, you know, Sampras, Federer, these guys, you know, there's going to be more opportunities down the road for them to fight for. And Fritz there, there probably will be, I'm sure there will be, but it's not, you know, good on him for saying like, Hey, I may never be able to play Nadal in the finals of Indian Wells again. Like I got to give this a go, you know, I'm not taking it for granted. So. And he played so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, oh, unreal. Yeah. That was a great moment. That's a good, that was a good, really good episode. Yeah. And then I also had um, just surprising, you know, we kind of talked about it, but I just had uncle Tony in terms of like, <laughs> just totally volunteering the information before the match. And like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's one of those things where I get it right. It's his, it's his nephew. It's, he spent so much time with him and he's had so much success that if a player does want to work with him, he can just say like, either no, I don't don't care about the money. Like I'm only going to work with you if I think it's worth it. And he also has the power to say, I'm going to do it on my own terms. And then that's up to the player if that works for them or not. Like, how much do you value Tony Nadal's advice? Uh, do you value it to the point where you can get it for every other player except for Nadal? Is that better than not having it at all? Um, and Felix obviously said it was. You know, he made that choice. And um, but yeah, I, I just that was that was surprising to me. I remember it happening last year, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just kind of forgot. That- yeah, you didn't. You didn't, I didn't remember all the details. Mm-hmm. definitely like I didn't I don't know if you know we necessarily got all of them either I feel like they did a good job of kind of showing us what really happened at the at that point mm-hmm. and they were still working together so it's not like it it didn't end um so yeah I guess he just has to hope he's not gonna play Rafa but <laughs> if he wants to win the French Open uh slim chance that he won't play Rafa <laughs> right yeah uh, that might be that might be in the cards again so mm-hmm uh, our next category is must watch. So which player of the, of the, the guys that were showing breakpoint do you, are you most excited to follow in the 2023 season? Yeah, that's, you know, it's just crazy to me that this isn't the player that I'm picking, but just that Nick Kyrgios was ranked number 115 in the world when they filmed this. And now he's number 21. And they didn't even count the points from Wimbledon. So that that just is crazy to me. Just like looking at where some of these players and even on the women too, just seeing kind of how their rankings have changed in, you know, mm-hmm. just a few months is crazy. Um, I would say that the player that I'm probably gonna follow, and it kind of was cool to see him in the spotlight a little bit, was Felix. I I really enjoy watching him play, and I think that he just, he, he has a lot of passion and self-discipline and he's, I mean, he is still really young, 20, 21. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to have that much composure and poise and respect and just the way that he carries himself. I I'm really excited to see what he can do. I, I hope that he, you know, gets, gets far in these tournaments and the big slams. And I, I hope that he has a chance to play some of these, the, you know, Rafa or, again and see what happens or if he could play Novak and just kind of see where the year takes him. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of following him. Yeah. And he made the, you know, he made the quarters last year of the Australian open and the uh, I guess he made the semis right of, of Roland Garros. So yeah, he's having great results and you heard Tony Dell say he thinks that he'll be, he'll be competing for number one in just a couple of years. And he's been talked about since he was like 17 or 18 is, is the guy. I remember when I was, 
at Wilson and he was breaking through, he uses a Babylon racket and, you know, everybody was like, Oh my gosh, is this guy going to be like the next <laughs> Rafa? Like, did we miss out on him? And so he's been talked about you like forget how young he is because it seems like you've been talking about him so long, but, uh, but yeah, he's definitely got a shot and he won his first round at the Australian open. And yeah. So we'll see. Um, I, the one person we're not going to watch at the Australian open is the one who I, I picked. Um, which probably before the show was also the one that I'm most interested to watch, but that's, that's Nick Curios. And, uh, you know, I, I liked his episode. I wouldn't say it was my favorite of the show, actually, even though a lot of people were saying that's the best episode, you know, probably just cause he's the most charismatic and kind of, um, he's not as, uh, he doesn't hide his emotions or, you know, <laughs> he, he, he lays it all out there. So you never, there's never a time you don't know what he's thinking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's for sure just like to see him finally take a year serious last year, at least as serious as he can, he can take it. And, you know, he's traveling with it, with the physio who you saw in the, in the episode, I think this, I don't remember him traveling with that guy before last season. Um, and then, you know, his manager and his girlfriend and just like amazing results last year. And it, it just probably showed him, Hey, when I like really focus and put my mind to it, like I can literally be the top, top or number two player in the world probably. So I hope this injury is is not that serious and that he'll be back out there soon. Um, it's a huge bummer not to have him in his in his home slam, but uh, so tough, especially yeah. with the Netflix show. You know, focusing on the Australian Open last year, it's such a bummer. Like, talk about PR bliss if that could have played out. Obviously, we wish him the best injury wise, and that's a different circumstance. And I'm sure it was such a hard decision to come to, but yeah. I hope, like you said, I hope he recovers fast because we want to see him like we yeah. want to see what he can do this year. Yeah. So he's, he's my one to watch for sure. And, and obviously I think he doesn't usually play the clay season. Um, so I think Wimbledon will be the next major we see him at and he's uh, got a lot to live up to. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that, that um, sort of, you know, nobody really said he was like a favorite going into last year, but this year they, they will, I'm sure. So that'll be good to see. Um, the next category we have is the movie maker. So which of these episodes do you think would be cool to be made into like a full length movie? Yeah, I think I, as cliche as it is, I got to go with the Taylor Fritz and Maria Zachary episode, just because just seeing the California kid take home the Indian Wells title full circle moment for him and his family and just everything. I, th I think that would be, I would, I would be most interested in that one for the men's side, for sure. As yeah. far as like a full episode, like obviously Nick Curio super entertaining. That was a really cool storyline, but I just feel like that's like such a store, a, a perfect sports storyline to see someone like Taylor Fritz take on that title. So, and biggest title of his career thus far. So yeah, that would be that would be something that I would for sure watch. That's what I picked. Also, the Taylor yeah. Fritz episode. <laughs> I mean, I, there there were multiple things that like kind of spoke to me. One of them was, you know, his dad was his coach until he, you know, like really started going after the pro tour. And uh, I, my dad was also my coach, and I know that's that's not always easy. You know, you don't want to listen to your parents ever, let alone in in sports, let alone in an individual sport that can just be like insanely frustrating. And uh, you you travel with your parents almost every weekend by yourself. You're not going to like hotels with your friends because they're on your soccer team or your baseball team and it's fun, 
you know, like you're just going with your parents to some hotel out in the suburbs and uh, you're waking up really early to go out there and play against somebody that, you know, might cheat you like crazy because <laughs> their parents <laughs> put a lot of pressure on them to win. So it's not always the most fun. And he, he kind of acknowledged that, but he did. But now, you know, he also said that it was totally worth it. Like he he said that I know my dad knew I would appreciate it when I got older. And uh, so I really like that. But yeah, obviously hometown tournament beating one of the, the guy that has the Grand Slam record uh, after an injury the morning of that, like everyone's telling you not to play. I mean, that's so dramatic, you know, and uh, and and with Fritz, they don't get into this in the show, but you know, it would be interesting to be in the movie as well that like, he's got a pretty interesting um, personal life in terms of the last, whatever, five, six, seven years, um, because he, he is a father um, and and was married actually before his current girlfriend. Uh, He was married to the woman who he had the um, child with and, you know, so, and unfortunately it it didn't work out. Um, It seems like he's in a good place now, which is great. uh, But that, you know, just more things that could add to this uh, this kind of lead up to then winning at Indian Wells, which yeah. is is the best thing that could have happened to him after winning one of the four majors. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Just dealing with all the personal things that a lot of these players go through, and just having to kind of compartmentalize, I'm sure, is probably one of the toughest parts of. I mean, about any sport, but especially when it's so individual focused and just. Talk, hearing all of these players talk throughout the series just about the mentality and just what they're saying to themselves on court I thought was kind of like wow yeah like some of them are saying you're not gonna win this <laughs> like, yeah they're literally so negative in their head I thought that was crazy to just yeah, hear it was funny I wrote that down too are you talking about Paula Bedosa yes <laughs> yeah like she was up five four in the set and and granted she was up like four one and and then Tanyanovich made it closer but like to that just shows you how mental tennis is that you can be winning you can be ranked higher and all this stuff but like the second things start going the other way or the momentum shifted a little bit you literally can just tell yourself like I'm gonna lose this now and it's so hard to like keep a focused positive mindset sometimes so yeah I mean you you played how how did you kind of deal with that and you know kind of change Oof. your mentality if you're or is it just so hard to like alter how you're viewing the match that you just can't do yeah. it honestly I just got older uh it's it wasn't easy when I was younger I was definitely a kid that um you know threw my rackets once in a while uh just just uh didn't want to play all the time like I said you know not, I'm from a smaller town so none of my none of my friends played tennis and uh so I kind of just traveled with my parents to tournaments on the weekends and all my friends played team sports and uh it wasn't always the easiest I think and uh so that just kind of translates into the tennis sometimes if, if you don't want to be there it's hard to win against players that are maybe just a little better than you you know you kind of end up just beating the players that you should beat and uh yeah, it wasn't really until I got older and like played college tennis that, you know, similar to Taylor, I, I appreciated um, how many hours my dad, how many times he like dragged me out to practice at like <laughs> 6 a.m. before school or whatever. <laughs> like just the the absolute last thing you want to do when you're a kid, you know, is wake up that early and go. Ugh. Anyway, so, yeah, as I got older, um, I, I was able to deal with that better and even just like the strategy and everything that goes into tennis. Like I say, every year, 
I realize how how dumb I was on the court the year before. <laughs> like you just whether yeah. it's strategy or things that go on around, like just um, keeping yourself hydrated or like eating some little snacks in between changeovers to like keep the energy high. Or there's just so many little things that go into it, and uh, frankly, you just only get those by playing a lot of matches and getting more experience. And um, so, yeah, I, I would totally say it's just a maturity thing. And uh, we have to remember that these players, you know, are, are some of them are teenagers and some of them are in their early twenties. Right. And uh, that's, even though, you know, that's maybe one of the reasons it's hard for them to beat the big three, like experience is huge uh, when the performance level isn't that different, you know? And uh, so, yeah, maybe they can last longer physically than some of the older players but um yeah there's there's a lot on the mental side and strategy side that maybe they just haven't realized yet so yeah that's a great point just maturity mm -hmm. and like you said what you see in the game that it's harder it might be harder for Novak and Rafa to physically well I mean I feel like Novak's actually pretty He's pretty solid. Yeah, that, that's all, maybe that's also comparing. why they're so dominant is because <laughs> you also can't say like, oh, this guy is going to last longer than Djokovic because he's in such good shape and just spends yeah. all day stretching. And, you know, it's it's literally as I started to say that sentence, I was like, I can't even say that because it's not true. He can he can literally go head to head with anybody at any age and just like the physicality and his fitness is insane. 100%. So. So. Do you think that, you know, there's a reason that they weren't folk, they weren't really involved with the show at all, or they just, is it because they're super private? I know that they obviously Netflix wanted to focus on the kind of the up and coming talent who's going to kind of knock, you know, eventually step into those, those roles that the big three currently have. Um, but do you think there was a reason that they, you know, didn't even comment on anything? I wonder if they even got asked. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the guys that are more established, like we'll just send Nadal and Djokovic. Um, what more do they have to gain by being in this show? You know, um, I mean, it, it could it could help, but like they're so established and like have such a huge following and are just so well known already, like giving access even further into, you know, they're already the ones that do the most uh interviews and uh you know marketing and all this stuff they probably if they were asked you know they probably just don't didn't want one more thing and especially like at the tail end of their career it's kind of like what i said about tony nadal where like he's accomplished so much at this point he can just decide exactly what he wants to do and do it his way and uh, that's probably the case with with nadal and Djokovic and why they weren't in this show um and, you know, the younger players, I think, have more of an appreciation for, like, what this show means um, in terms of, like, the Netflix culture and social media aspect of it. And so I'm, I'm sure they they kind of were all excited to be asked. Um, it'll be interesting. Like, you know, obviously, they didn't have Sviantec or Alcaraz. I think Alcaraz might be in the second half of the season. Maybe they did get yeah. to talk to him. Did it seem I, like I that? think I saw a clip. I thought I saw a clip of him yeah. in there at one point. So I think that, like an interview clip. So I think, yeah, hopefully, so. I mean, I, you would think that that he would be a focus point of yeah, the second five, the second half of the Netflix series. So, mm -hmm. but they did a good job of just picking the players in terms of like, Oh, uh, you know, some of them have like famous social media girlfriends and like just lots of different interesting angles to, um, 
get the conversation going, I think just beyond like the tennis side of the show. So um, yeah. And, and just like picking charismatic players and um, yeah. So I, I think they did a great job with what they had and, you know, they can always toss in a interview clip from Nadal where they, where it's needed. Right. So they right. have access to that, but, um, but yeah. Uh, so that, that goes to our second to last cat. Well, really the last category and one more thing we want to talk about, but the season winner, which person in this show on the men's side doesn't have to be a player, but which person did you think won the series? Like, got like benefited the most by being in this and uh yeah kind of what it means for them going forward yeah um that's a that's a hard question because these players I mean they're all such solid players like there wasn't Mm -hmm. there's no bad players they obviously made it that far in those big tournaments for a reason Mm -hmm. I feel like um I mean we talked about I really liked all of the Andy Roddick clips and quotes I'm mm-hmm. really super happy that they incorporated him. Uh, I thought it was great that they kind of had a really nice mix of commentators, people who follow the sport, cover it, coaches and players. I thought they did a really good job of balancing that. Um, I guess I, the player that I feel like I thought they did a really good job of telling Casper Rude's story mm-hmm. yeah. I know that he is a player that people have mixed feelings about. Like I, I know that, you know, he's not like the most outgoing personality. And I know that people, you know, have have mixed feelings about him, but I thought they did a really good job of showcasing just kind of who he is as a person and just him speaking about losing to Rafa. I think he was mm-hmm. the one that said, I pray to God that I don't play Rafa on clay again, because like he's like I played as hard as I could but it was nowhere near to being good enough mm-hmm. to beat Nadal like I mean so I just thought that the way that he you know kind of it obviously wasn't fun to lose in straight sets in the French Open final but you did it and I, I he had another quote that, that I really liked where he said um everyone thinks oh sorry wrong quote that was from Rafa Oh, the hunger to win grows even more when you lose in the finals. Yeah. And now he's lost two finals of a slam. So I feel like this year he could be some, he's someone to to follow closely. And I think that he's capable and he showed us last season. And I don't even think he expected to do that well last season. So to just kind of see the year that he had, I think he's someone that people should follow closely and he has a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, he, you're right in terms of like he um the charismatic side he's a really nice guy and he's re- he's just very. very like chill you know he's not um he's not doing anything too crazy that's gonna make like huge headlines right he's just kind of an no. overall nice chill guy but yeah I think like especially the the match footage even of him losing to Rafa and how many like shanks he had and just like the whole backstory he has this Nadal poster on his room and he says like I could literally tell you which years he won, who he played, like what the score was. That's got to be so hard to go out and and play him because like you have to be so hungry to win and beat the person right. And if there's like even a little part in your head that says, well, even if I lose, at least my favorite player gets another one. <laughs> like you can't have that, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I don't know that that was going through his head or not, but um, 
sometimes if, if you're in the match and you start like telling yourself, oh, well, is it really the worst thing if I lose this match? That's when like you've guaranteed you're going to lose, especially against somebody like Nadal. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was, that was an interesting episode for sure. Between that and, the, and the Felix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kinda like what, a lot, which, which was your favorite episode overall? That's a tough on the men's side. That's kind of tough. Um, I think maybe just because it kind of had the exciting intro to the whole series, episode one, just mm. because that was such a good way to start it. And it was kind of like high energy, high octane yeah. doubles partnership. And then you get curious and the drama and kind of they call him the bad boy of tennis mm-hmm. aspect that he brings to the game. So I, I would say probably episode one, just in terms of I feel like it lived to the lived up to the expectations. Yeah. And it was entertaining through and through. And it definitely left me. I'm like, okay, well, now I have to watch episode two. Like, if that's how how well they told episode one, I'm going to just continue on. And I hope that it's the same way for non-tennis fans and yeah. people who just tuned in and decided to give it a shot. I feel like they did a really good job with episode one. So I feel like that one was my favorite. Yeah, they definitely they definitely led with the hook, you know, trying to make you... Uh let let it ride and and don't uh don't let that netflix countdown go away you know you just go right into the <laughs> next episode but yeah i mean in terms of season winner uh it's funny i i also had andy roddick as one of the winners i think this just further you know supports the case that this guy we need him doing commentary consistently All he's on time. tennis channel quite a bit but like it's always from his house you know he you can tell he kind of just comes on when it's good for him and and that's totally up to him you know that's his life and that's obviously how he wants to do it at this point but i hope um i hope down the road if we could get Roddick full-time commentary and just Love be it. around the sport as much as possible that would be that would be amazing because yeah he's just he's yeah. got great takes and um is, he does awesome to to. and a lot of hot takes too he's not your stereotypical saying yeah. what everybody thinks no he yes. will like push the boundaries and push back and go mm-hmm. toe-to-toe with some of these commentators i love it yeah he he's great they, he had a tweet and for the record i enjoy playing pickleball so let's just get that out i like playing <laughs> it's fun it's a fun sport but he had a great tweet where somebody had said what's the main difference between tennis and pickleball and Roddick commented and was like one is hard and one is not <laughs> that was just <laughs> too good so that's that's the kind of thing like you said he he's not afraid to just call it like he sees it and uh yeah we need more of that for sure so i I had brodick as one uh a second winner i had as nadal because even though even though he's not being interviewed directly for this show Mm -hmm. he wins both the majors that are featured in this first half uh you have Casper praying to God that he's not going to play him <laughs> on clay, which is, which is Casper's best surface. And he's like, I pray to God, I don't play him on clay. So, you know, I think this just further helps Nadal's legacy and just how good he is that so much of the show talks about how hard it is to, to beat him. And, uh, and you have coaches of other players, like I'll coach you against everybody except Rafa because it's my <laughs> uncle and our bond is that strong. And like, you know, it's just, so I had Nadal uh, as another winner. and That's um, a really good one. That's a really good one because it was focused a lot on him. He was yeah, a hot a, topic. For not being interviewed, he's he's in, <laughs> you know, multiple episodes. And uh, 
yeah, he's, he's getting it done on the court. So that's huge. Um, but as far as a player that was actually featured in the series, I, I picked Fritz just because, you know, all the reasons we've kind of said before winning his hometown slam, despite being injured against one of the guys I just said, won the show against Rafa, you know, he's the, he's the only one that is shown in this series that beats Rafa in a, in a tennis match. So um, there was even like a sick, when they started the tiebreaker in that match in the Indian Wells final, there was like a sick shot. They showed Fritz where like, if you pause it, it's almost like he's in the Jordan stance, you know, like in the air with his legs spread, like, you know, so I was like, damn, Fritz looks really cool in this, especially like telling his coaches like, Hey, F off. Like I'm playing this. Sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, going for it. <laughs> yeah. I I'm definitely more interested to, to watch after curious. He's my number two in terms of like, who am I most excited to watch this season? And, yeah. uh, and he got through in four last night. So he's, he's in the second round, but, uh, but yeah, so we got, we got one more topic here, Madison. I want to know, do you think this will blow up tennis like it did F1 and you watched F1, the F1 show? I did. Yeah, so I did. What are, your, what are your thoughts? I mean, so I feel like F1 had less of a following than tennis does before that show. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it will be as big or have as much success as the F1 drive to survive did. However, I do feel like it's going to bring in some people who maybe only watch the U S open or only watch like one Wimbledon or something like only mm -hmm. one of the slams. I feel like it could be, that could be a good target audience. It's kind of the, like, people who if it's on they'll turn it on but they yeah. don't necessarily follow it super closely so i feel like this would be a show for that type of person or just sports fans in general mm -hmm. like my family they always we always watch the slams but we're never we never cover tennis in this or like watch tennis in this capacity and they mm -hmm. all have watched the show so okay. i what just feel think? like they so my brother is he's he's really just a sports fan and he well he has he's actually only watched one of the episodes but okay. i told my parents my grandma's watching it she loves mm -hmm. it so far she doesn't know any of these players like she has yeah. no idea but mm -hmm. she i was like you got to watch it it's on netflix like she has the tennis one app she watches our interviews that we do in tennis one mm -hmm. so i'm like some of these players are in the app like you have to watch the show and she so far she's very impressed she enjoyed it. She's ready for the next five episodes. She does. She does know a decent amount about Wimbledon. I think she had like mm -hmm. a book on it or something that we got okay. on here. So she she is ready for the Wimbledon episodes. But oh, so far so good. My my family's a sports family, so I feel like anything we loved the Michael Michael Jordan documentary. Oh yeah, so good. The Last Dance, probably one of the best sports docu series ever, if not yeah. the best. I mean, and that. That, yeah, that was crazy. So they loved that. So I told them, you know, it's not it's not to that level, but it's really, really good. I like it better than the Formula One. And I know I might be a little biased because I'm we cover tennis and we love tennis, but mm -hmm. I liked it. I like it better. And yeah. I, I think, yeah, I just think it's really good. But the golf one's coming out too. So I'm gonna yeah. have to watch that and kind of compare and contrast and just see them being individual sports and kind of similar seasons to see yeah. what what they do. You made a great point about this might be a, a really good show for people that have 
already just maybe a slight interest in tennis that they don't follow yeah. it all year round just watch the slams maybe or if they're in the u.s the u.s open or whatever um hopefully having a little bit of background will make them interested in watching it and especially because it's only like five episodes that are really quick that i mean right like i said i watched it in one sitting so um <laughs> yeah so that's that's a really good point i wonder you know the jordan doc and the f1 show also you know you remember the Jordan doc came out during COVID and like everybody, yes. I mean, it's Michael Jordan. So like, that's a good point anyway, but when everybody was like just sitting at home, like looking for anything, especially sports had been like taken away, you know, and that's and a great so point. We had like a lack of that already. Um, everybody was like, just so hungry for any kind of sports content. And so I think that really helped it drive to survive. I think 2019 was the first season, right? Um, that the yeah. 2019. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so like, they've kind of really mostly existed during this COVID phase too, where I think people are watching way more content than, than maybe they were before. Um, just because so many people work from home or, you know, we were stuck at home for a long time. So <laughs> I think, I think those both helped it. Um, that's a, maybe, that's a really um, good point. I didn't even think about the fact that the Michael Jordan documentary was in COVID, but it was, yeah. you're right. That's why it drove it would have been successful anyways, but that, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. That totally elevated. Yeah. And you know what? COVID will, COVID will benefit this show because more people started playing tennis during COVID. And so we, we have more casual fans than we did before. So um, hopefully they all watch this show and uh, tell their friends about it. It's too bad that so many of the players featured, um, you know, are either out with injury or whatever, especially Nick. Because, yeah, the further they would have gone into the tournament, the more this show would have been talked about, referenced, you know, so on and so forth. So it's too bad that we're missing out on that a little bit to, to start yeah. right at launch. But um, I don't know. Sometimes these Netflix shows pick up like months later. You know, it's not always like right when they come out that it's, you know, it's either watch it now or never see it again. So and have you seen you do a lot with our social media here at tennis one. Have you seen a lot of, you know, traction on social about the show so far, or what would you say is kind of, I've definitely seen references to the show that um, okay. get a lot of um, engagement. One, one of them was somebody, somebody tweeted like, so did Isla end up going to the business center? <laughs> because it, it doesn't really show in the episode after she and Bertini <laughs> have that little chat and he's like no you can't do an interview in here at 8 a.m like I'm trying to sleep and uh, she's like okay I'll just go to the business center well then somebody like somehow went back and found the tennis channel interview that she did no that way. morning and took a screenshot of it and said like she responded to that that tweet that was like did I go to the business center and this person said like she ended up in the bushes because like her her background was like yeah hedges <laughs> or something uh probably outside of the hotel or you know just in one of those chill that areas is, that's so funny that someone found that and went back yeah. and so I've, I've seen some like good references to the show. I, I think most of them are, the references are from tennis people because okay. naturally that's mostly who I follow, um, especially on our tennis one social media. Our whole yeah. feed is pretty much tennis journalists or just people that, that, um, you know, have smart thoughts on tennis. So, so yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it being talked about. Um, but yeah, I just hope, uh, I've, I've sent it to as many of my non-tennis friends as possible and hope, hoping to hear positive feedback from them. So yeah, I'm pushing it on everybody that I know to watch. So yeah. 
got to keep Even doing if it. If you know a little bit, or you like, you said some of, some of them are dating like influencer girlfriends. Yeah. I'm like, you know who that is? I see you follow her. Why don't you watch like her boyfriend's docuseries? Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> exactly. So we'll try anything to, to keep growing the sport. So, um, but it's exciting to have a show like this. It is. Yeah. yeah they did a really good job. So I, I hope we get more seasons. Like we've said, definitely. Yeah. I'm curious if, um, I was, I was trying to look up if there was like already a season two in the works, but all I could find is just people talking about the second half of this season. So yes. I wonder if they're just waiting to see like what kind of traction it's going to get to decide if they want to film. I heard season or second in season. Holger Runa's interview, press conference interview, which is in the tennis one up, by the way, if you want to go listen, uh, yeah. they were talking to him and they said that he was being followed by camera crew. So I okay. wonder, and they did ask him a couple questions about the Netflix docuseries. So I wonder if they're kind of like already just going to do the same kind of format and start with the AO and then move through the year like they did last year that would be amazing i gotta do more research and see if i can confirm it because that would be amazing if the if yeah if they've got holger and maybe some new uh some new players young players that have a shot hopefully we follow more of like alcaraz and uh, yeah yeah maybe it'd be cool to get sviantek on there um, i would love to see goth would love goth. to see her yep. oh she'd be so good yeah, she, she's got a hell of a personality. So she really does. She's so awesome. Awesome. Well, this was uh, this is fun, Madison. Thanks for uh, talking with me about the Breakpoint series with the men. We're going to do the women later this week on Friday. So we're going to talk about yes. those episodes and uh, and then obviously more Australian Open in the in the next two weeks. And yeah, keep it in the Tennis One app to follow along. <laughs>